You're listening to the Sex and Psychology Podcast, the sex ed you never got in school and won't get anywhere else. I am your host, Dr. Justin Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. New Year, New Sex Life. Whether you're someone who typically makes New Year's resolutions or not, the transition between years is always a good time to stop and reflect on our lives. And that includes thinking about our intimate lives. How are things going? Are you getting what you want? Does it feel like something is missing? Do you and your partner feel like you aren't connecting like you used to? Depending on how you answer these questions, it might be time for a new sex plan. We identify our goals and plan a lot of things in our lives, from our finances, to our fitness routines, to our vacations. But we often don't approach sex with that same mindset. So let's make a sex plan. We've covered this topic on the show before, so what we're going to do today is revisit one of Sex and Psychology's essential listens, which is my interview with Dr. Juliana Hauser, which appeared all the way back in episode 155. Juliana is a licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor who specializes in relationships, sex, and sexuality. In addition to running a private practice, Dr. Juliana is a nationally known expert in this area whose work has appeared all over in the media. This is going to be an amazing conversation that's going to set you up for a very happy and sexy new year. Stick around and we're going to jump in right after the break. Are you ready to take your career to the next level and become a certified sexuality professional? The Sexual Health Alliance's certification programs are here to empower you. From sex therapists and sex educators to sex coaches and couples therapists, Shaw's comprehensive and flexible programs streamline your path to certification. Learn from leading experts in the field and complete all of your necessary certification requirements in a self-paced, flexible online format. Most importantly, you'll gain the knowledge, skills, and credentials you need to excel in your field while connecting with an engaged community of professionals from around the world. Take your next step at Sexual Health Alliance. Visit sexualhealthalliance.com or check the show notes for the link. Okay, Juliana, let's talk about having better sex in the new year. I have a blog post I do on this subject at the start of each new year, and it gets a little longer each time because (laughs) I'm always learning new things that can help people to improve their intimate lives. So let's start with some of the things on my list and get some tips from you about how we can put them into practice. So first up, resolve to be sexually empowered. Sexual agency is something a lot of people struggle with, and I'm talking specifically here about being able to advocate for yourself in the bedroom, to say what you do and don't want. So what are some practical things people can do to develop a greater sense of sexual empowerment in the new year? You know, one of the thrills of being able to connect with a colleague is hearing the same verbiage and think, yes, like someone who automatically gets it because sexual agency is the foundation of my work. So I just wanted to cheer when I heard you say it. And yes, it's really pivotal. And it kind of goes back to that conversation of how do we inform people and teach them the skill of agency. So I I know you know this exercise, but it's really one of my favorites and, and a good starting point, which is the four quadrant exercise. And it's really simple. All you do is you put one piece of paper with a vertical line 
line, horizontal line, and you create four quadrants. One is things that you've done sexually that you want to try again. Things that you've tried sexually that you don't think you want to try again. It may be the time to retire it. Things that you haven't tried that you feel interested in, you want to get curious about. And things you haven't tried that at this point you think still remain a no or a not yet. And then you get a long list of sex acts. And that you can look on the internet, you can come up with your own. And you want to go from everything from having your hand kissed to something that seems way, way, way out of like a very big edge for you. And you look at the list and you decide where it's going to go in that quadrant. And you make yourself, you don't let yourself straddle, you make yourself pick a quadrant to put that in. And for me, I think that's a really wonderful exercise of saying, what are my yeses and nos and my yucks and my yums? It is important where you put them in the quadrants, but to me, I find it even more profound to listen to your experience of having to choose. Sometimes this is the first time you've consciously made a decision, yes, I want to do this, no, I do not. And when you learn the places where it's been difficult for you to, to say no when you want to say no, or yes, um, and be curious about something, you really find places to put more energy towards. So I like the four quadrant exercise to begin sexual agency. So it sounds like it's partially about discovering or getting more in touch with your own desires, but then also some degree of self-reflection of how did those things happen in the past? So for the things that you didn't really enjoy or want, why did those things happen? And for the things that you really did want, what were the circumstances that led those things to occur? So is it sort of like that where it's getting in touch with your desires and then also just figuring out, okay, what worked in the past and what can I do differently in the future to get more of what I want and less of the yuck quadrant, if you will? Yes. And we're realizing that we are, we're fluid, that what may have been a no before, maybe a yes now or vice versa and letting yourself have those changes and have the uh, more of awakening of who you are and what you're wanting. And also giving yourself permission. There is something profound that happens when you exercise and activate your agency, especially within your sexual lives. At first it can be like, I just, I have the right I have the right to know uh, and I have the responsibility to understand and to communicate what it is that's authentically true for me. I love that answer. And it reminds me of a quote that you have on your website that reads, to believe that our sexuality is static and that our partners is too, is one of the greatest detriments to our sexual relationships. And I think that gets at such an important and underappreciated point. Yes, you know, things like sexual quantity and quality tend to decline in long-term relationships. Part of the reason for that is because our need for novelty isn't being met, and we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But it's also in part due to the fact that we're constantly changing as sexual beings. And many of us don't recognize when these changes happen in ourselves or in our partners, and we keep approaching sex the same way that we did in the past, and it's just not working anymore. So I'm thinking about that four quadrants exercise that you described and how, you know, if you did that at different points in your life, those quadrants might look really different. So can you speak a little bit about this and kind of how we can learn to embrace that more fluid and flexible nature of our own and our partner's sexuality? 
Yes, I am. And, and I think this is pivotal uh, for us to understand it because it gives us it gives us permission and room to grow and to find places that are bringing us vibrancy and also feel powerful in our place to um, move on from things in our life. We look at sexuality as something that's supposed to be natural and that's something that is innate. And part of it, it is there's also a skill of sexuality and there's also a skill of, of learning who you are. And, and then magically, if you are partnered or you want to ever have sexual contact with somebody else, that it's just supposed to magically happen well with somebody else. And, and if you're partnered for a, a period of time, that that's supposed to stay in connection with one another. So embracing those changes is a good thing. It, inevitable that it's going to be changing and that's not the bad news that we don't have to hold tight to this certainty is really powerful too. And to see that this ambiguity, the tolerance for ambiguity is something that I think should be taught within our sexuality too. We don't have to have certainty in order to feel safe. In fact, if we're looking for ambiguity, then we have more room to find those edges, those I don't know parts. I do a lot of talking with my clients about how do you stay curious about these different parts of you that could be one of the sexiest and one of the most powerful things you could do within your sexuality is be curious about how you're changing. Expect yourself to change. And if you're um, doing any kind of partnered sexual connection, that your partner or partners are going to change as well. And find that to be thrilling. We expect ourselves to have to learn with skills and other parts of our life. For some reason, we don't expect that in our sexual selves too, but we need to. Right. It's kind of weird in a way, but I really love that answer. And it reminds me of something that one of my favorite sex educators said on a previous episode of this show, Joan Price, who is an advocate for ageless sexuality. And she talks about how with regard to senior sexuality, one of the most common things she hears is that the old ways aren't working anymore. And I think that sort of gets at this idea of how a lot of us just don't expect our sexuality to evolve and change over time. We think the same things that were pleasurable when we were in our 20s and 30s are the same things that are going to be pleasurable later in life. But the more that you can sort of embrace early on that what is pleasurable, what counts as sex, like all of these things change and evolve over time. I think the more you're going to set yourself up for success later on because sexuality is very much fluid. Yes, and that it helps you to not feel like you're broken if things are changing in a way that you that doesn't feel supportive of you, because then that just adds to shame and inaccessibility to that change. And I think that embracing change helps keep you vibrant and feeling sparks in your life, which is to me such like the, the embers of our sexuality. Absolutely. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, a lot of people make New Year's resolutions to better their physical and or mental health, which is great. But this can also have benefits for your sex life because physical, mental, and sexual health are all intimately interconnected. So you can get some positive spillover effects from making those more general resolutions. So to that end, what are some aspects of physical and mental health or self-care more broadly that you think are really important to consider making resolutions around because they can also give us a boost in the bedroom at the same time. So you're asking not specifically for sex uh, resolutions yet, but the mental health aspect that are around it. I think that sexuality is the essence of who we are. And so if you're going to put time towards self-development, it will absolutely tie over to who you are as a sexual being. So 
learn more about who you are, be excited about learning those different parts of you, and have that be tied to your agency also, that you are constantly exercising, what are my yeses and nos, what are my yucks and yums, and let that have a synergy to it. That alone is going to make a very big difference of who you are as a sexual being too. Uh, Taking care of who you are and, and your mental health in sleep makes an enormous difference also. I mean, and I admit it for me too, it's, it's often the first thing that goes for me. And boy, can I tell a huge difference. And there's, I'm so grateful that this also is a place where we're learning so much more about ourselves. But I think it gets forgotten because it's not really sexy to, to talk about this. But boy, does it make a difference. And it's one of the first things I ask people when I work with them as a couple too, is how are you all sleeping? And uh, that usually surprises people that I'm asking that first. But uh, if you're not sleeping well, it is going to make everything harder and it's going to make everything a lot less of a priority for you. So work on your sleep hygiene also. Yeah, here's to hoping next year will be all about better sleep for Justin and for (laughs) many of you listening as well, because none of us are getting as much sleep as we need. And I did a whole episode on the podcast previously with Dr. Michaela Lestella about sleep and sex and that important connection. And it is so, so important. If you're not getting good sleep, you're probably not going to be having great sex. And it's also bi-directional because if you're not having great sex, that can create stress and anxiety and other things that might interfere with your sleep. So prioritizing good sleep, prioritizing fitness and activity can also help as well because when you're getting more exercise and you're taking care of your cardiovascular health, that can help improve sexual function. In fact, there's some research showing that for men who've been diagnosed with erectile dysfunction, that simply through lifestyle changes, getting more exercise, changing their diet, maybe cutting back on smoking and drinking, that alone is enough to reverse a lot of cases of ED. So it's very important to pay attention to your overall physical and mental health and well-being because that's one of the key ways that you can improve your sex life at the same time. Yes. I also encourage people to look at their relationship to pleasure, just pleasure in general, even outside of your sexual connections, that if you find yourself to be somebody who deprives, 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 and then indulges in this, then that is going to spill over to your sexual life too. So look at how you are infusing pleasure into your life, how you speak about pleasure, how you allow it into it, how you encourage others in your life to have pleasure. And that will make a difference of even just on a cellular level of accepting pleasure physically and sexually too. And one thing I would add to that is don't delay pleasure too much, right? Because many of us have this relationship with pleasure where we think, well, I've got all these other things I have to do first and pleasure can come later. And, you know, I certainly understand like there is some importance to that when you've got like school projects that are due or things at work that need to happen or things with your family or with your kids that, you know, need to happen. Sometimes other things take priority beyond pleasure. But if you're always delaying pleasure, sometimes it never happens. You never get to enjoy it because life changes, our body changes, the circumstances around us change, and that can actually make it harder to obtain that pleasure later on. So it's important to find that right balance between, yes, having your priorities, but also making sure that you're getting that pleasure at the same time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, next up, resolve to try some new things in the bedroom. A big part of the reason why sexual quantity and quality decrease over time in long-term relationships, as I mentioned, is that 
a lot of partners fall into sexual routines. They stop trying new things. The sex becomes boring and predictable. But research shows that people who are trying new things and trying them reasonably frequently tend to be more sexually satisfied and they have the greatest odds of keeping passion alive. So, Juliana, for people who might find themselves stuck in a sexual rut, how do you break that and introduce more novelty into your sex life? Mm-hmm. So the first two things that, that I like to recommend is one, do not overlook the power of kissing. That if you are somebody that um, is interested or a partner with somebody who enjoys kissing or it used to be a part of it, there is so much play and pleasure and variety that you can add into how you kiss. And to me, it's often like a canary in the mind that if you have let go of your kissing uh, repertoire with uh, a partner, then that's going to spill over too. So have fun with that. Be playful with it. Be passionate with it. Try different kinds of kissing locations of where you are and you're doing. Don't just do the peck, good morning and, and good night kinds of things. Make out and have that make out session just be kissing have there be this teasing effect to it, but also don't see kissing just as foreplay, but see it as an act in and of itself. That's important. And, and also that can be so intimate and binding with somebody and explore how you kiss. It's actually a skill that can be hard to teach compared to any other kind of sex acts, but it's something that when you have a rhythm and when you have a passion that it, that grows from kissing can make everything else see more exciting and bigger and more interesting and more of a yes too. So prioritize kissing and add variety to kissing. Uh, The next thing that I like to do to infuse differences in variety is to look at your senses. So look at all five of your senses and start playing with finding out who you are as essential beings. So let's, we'll start with sight. Are you somebody that likes to see, do likes to look at your partner or look at porn or um, look at something and that gets you feeling aroused or, or, or attracting? Or are you somebody that likes to not be seen yourself or likes to not see anything? Adding differences. And again, like when you're starting out with your yeses or, or no's, be happy with the I don't knows. Be excited to find where they're going to fall on the, on that listing for you. Then you can go to like um, sound. Are you somebody that gets turned on by hearing somebody else's pleasure? Are you somebody who wants things to be silent? Do you like a playlist? Do you like um, to add sound to how you are experiencing an orgasm? Um, and see again where that is. Go through every single one of your senses. Find the sense that you are most drawn to and that's what's more natural and use that sense to help enhance other sex acts or help you experience a sex act differently. And find the sense that feels the least accessible to you. And there's a lot of opportunity to have growth and variety and those two outliers of your senses. I think that's all great advice. And I think it's also important to recognize that some people have sensory impairments and not all of their senses work the same. But the advice, I think, is still applicable no matter what. It's playing with the senses that you do have and making sense more of this multi-sensory thing because great sex isn't just about physical sensations. You know, I think We tend to reduce sex often to just touch, but it can be about so much more than that. It could be about the visual component. It could be about what you hear. It could be about what you smell or taste. All of these different things can potentially enhance sex in some ways. And so playing with those different senses or giving yourself the opportunity to focus more on one sense or another can be a way of exploring your sexuality. 
Now, another great resolution is to resolve to be more present during sex. So if you aren't able to show up because you're stuck in your head, there is a good chance that you might find it difficult to stay aroused or to have an orgasm because you're so focused on these distracting thoughts. So what advice do you have in terms of how to be more present, how to show up during sex? So one of the like concrete exercises that, that I like to do is to do a thought dump. If you know you're about to head into a, a time period of sexual connection, that you, outside of where that sexual connection is likely to happen, to have a notebook and you write things out, that you put into a recording. I, I'd like it to be something tangible, not just thinking it through, but having it go from thoughts to out of you, either verbally or um, through writing, and then purposely leave it there and say to yourself, I can pick this up later. This is something that is impressing right now. But if you acknowledge it, the science shows that if you try not to think of something, then it is going to be there and there and there and there. So don't ask for it to be gone. Actually ask, um, let it be released and that you'll come back to it. And then, then as you're moving into that sexual space, ask for what you're wanting. Ask yourself, to, I want to be focused. I want to be present for my pleasure. I want to be curious about what we are about to experience together. Uh, the next thing is, is that if you get back into a mindful place, if you can stay in the moment uh, for yourself and focus on the small parts of pleasure that you're experiencing, then that will um, help you to stay in the moment and not stay in the present and the anxiety or the distractions that's coming to bear for you. Such great advice. Now, part of the reason I wanted to speak with you about sexual resolutions is because you have a whole online course you offer called The Sex Plan, which gets at a lot of the things that we've been talking about today. And developing a sex plan is something that you can do any time of year, not just when you're in resolution mode. So can you tell us a little bit about the sex plan that you help your clients develop and why we'd all benefit from having a sex plan? Mm -hmm. I actually love this, this course and I just started thinking one day, like we have plans for everything in our life. We plan for our finances and we have people that help us with our nutrition planning or our fitness. And why don't we have a sex plan? This is such a core part of who we are in, in, our, in a lot of our relationships. So I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to devise one. And there are several sections to it. The first is kind of like a state of affairs. So where are you? Where are you individually? Um, and if I'm doing this with somebody that's in a couple, in a relationship, then we also look at the state of the relationship, the, the sexual connection that they're having. And there's a whole lot of questions that we look into just kind of diagnostically. Uh, and then the second section, has two parts to it. One of it is that I have this other course called Revealed. And Revealed is um, a holistic view of who you are as a sexual being. There's 10 pillars to it. And I do um, a shortened version of it for couples. It is so amazing. I, I work with people who are thinking about partnering up to people who have been together for 40 years. And it is amazing to me how, for those who are, are looking to have a committed relationship with each other, how often they haven't ever asked themselves these questions or they don't know these things about each other. So this part of it is getting to know yourself, getting to know who you are as a sexual being holistically first. 
And then hearing and witnessing your partner going through the same kinds of questions, looking at pleasure, looking at health reproduction, looking at desire and intimacy and love and connection. Uh, We may dance around it. We may have had some conversations, but when you have it in a succinct way, you really get to have this deep dive into who someone is as a sexual being. And then it actually helps part of what I'm doing when I'm working with them is how do you communicate through this? How do you communicate through your differences? What do you do about new things that you're learning? How do you get into that vulnerable place in order to share these experiences, these questions, or the things that we're curious about? And all of that happens when we're going through these questions. And then the second part of the second part is I have like these diagnostic testing that I look at things that I have found in the couples who have the most fulfilling and vibrant sexual connections long-term, what they are. So we look at like your fun, who you are in in, like the fun personality. Who are you as a risk taker? Um, Who are you as in your adventurous scale? Things like that, that we put together. And sometimes they're quite aligned. Sometimes there's quite a few differences. And we look at what are your strengths um, that we're finding in that and where are the places that we have opportunities to make change. And then we start setting goals. What are you wanting for your sexual lives individually and as a couple? What are you wanting it to look like, to feel like? And we set the plan. If these are your goals, what do you already have as a resource and what do you need more support in, more education about? Uh, We have a very distinct plan that comes from it and then we start enacting it. And some of the plan is to work with professionals and some of the plan is you do it on your own. I love that. Everyone should develop a sex plan. Now, we've talked about a lot of things that people can do to improve their sex life, resolutions they can make for the new year. But I think it's also worth addressing maybe whether there are some things that you shouldn't plan to do. So for example, I think centering your resolutions around improving sexual quality is great, but resolutions around simply increasing sexual frequency might not have the desired effect, right? Because great sex is all about quality and not quantity. So if you're just resolving to have more sex, that could potentially be counterproductive because if you're not having great sex to begin with, then you're just going to have more mediocre sex. Can you speak to any resolutions, things that you might not want to focus on that might not be a great idea as part of this? Mm -hmm. I think it starts with the question, why do you want to have sex? And that is in some ways such an oddly worded question. And it often stumps people like, I I don't know, because I want to, because it's good, because we're supposed to, those kind of things. And when you start hearing those shoulds with it, those are the places that you want to steer away from, in my opinion. I mean, some of the shoulds I I get, but to your point of, because we should be doing it more often, it is is worrisome and it's not going to get you the effect you want. If the answer is, because I want to feel more intimately connected to myself and to my partner. Okay, great. Then that, that's what we're looking for. So it's not frequency. What's going to get you actually that closer intimacy. It may be less frequently, but more quality. It may be a different kind of sexual connection that we're looking for too. I also think we've talked about edges. We've talked about finding our guesses and no's. I think again, like looking at your why, it's better to not focus on doing it just to do it. I am a believer of like, well, maybe try everything once if it's safe and consensual, and then you get to know if it's a yes or a no to you, uh, again, within safety parameters. But also, it, I like to understand the motives for it. I want to understand um, what you're hoping to get from it, because I think 
expectation can be the antithesis of sexual fulfillment and be understanding not only of your why, but what you're expecting from those changes too. And to be kind to yourself and your expectations. Um, and if you're partnered with your partner or partners too. I think that's so important to step back and think about what are your motivations? Why are you having sex in the first place? Because that's going to inform the kinds of resolutions that you make in terms of how you're going to get more of what it is that you want. And you don't want to be having sex just for the sake of doing it because you think you're supposed to be doing it. There should be a a better reason for it, right? We all have our motivations. There are at least 237 distinct motivations for having sex, as we've talked about previously on the podcast. Yes. So reflect on what your own reasons are and think about how you can get more of the sex that you want in the new year. Well, thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Juliana. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work and your online workshops? Yes. So um, on all social media handles, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Facebook, I'm Dr. Juliana Hauser. And then my website is Dr. Dash Juliana with one N. Uh, if you do Dr. Juliana, she's, I think, a dentist in Romania, uh, but Dr. Dash Juliana is me. Uh, and that's where a lot of my courses, um, workshops, and learning how to work with me uh, one-on-one also. Well, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate having you here. And thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on the social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Miller and Instagram at Justin J. Miller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. 